Well, it's great to be here worshiping with you on Father's Day, and uh, happy Father's Day to you, and we're excited to be able to walk through. We're going to walk through a message today as a challenge to husbands and to men of God, all right? And so we're in a series called The Two Become One. The Two Become One, this marriage series, we started walking through this a number of weeks back, and we launched with the purpose of marriage. May we understand that it starts with, yes, Adam and Eve in Genesis and this start of marriage, but we see it wrapped all the way through the Scripture, and at the very end of Scripture, we see Jesus Christ and the church and the marriage feast that takes place there. There is a massive, massive understanding of our God that comes as we understand marriage. It is so much more than something we do to just try to find a little bit of contentment in this world. Marriage, it gives us a deep understanding of our God and a rich understanding of how he works with us. You know, after we worked through the purpose piece, we looked at the triangle, right? The three levels of oneness and there is spiritual oneness and there is relational oneness and then there is physical oneness within the marriage. And so those three pieces of oneness coming together to be able to celebrate that, as it says in Genesis 2, the two become one flesh. And what does that mean? It, like it's so much more than just the physical. There's all those other pieces coming to play. And so we've talked about all the oneness. And if you weren't here for that, do get back and catch up on the series there, all right? Last week, we ended up looking at a wife of God or a woman of God. And so this week, we're looking at a man of God. So do this. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 7. 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 7. We got ushers coming forward with Bibles in their hands. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 7. That's where we're going to be. And uh, be patient. They'll get to you. So the first point, being a godly husband. Uh, be a student of your wife. Understand her deeply and protect her well. Be a student of your wife. Understand her deeply and protect her well. So as the pages are getting turned, as you're getting to the right spot, please hear me on this. If you're single or engaged, like this is who the husband is supposed to be. This is what they're headed for. And, and trust me, if you're looking at some guy, you have some interest in some guy, girls, you hearing me? You have interest in some guy, and he's not this guy, that's a problem, okay? So be careful with what you're going after, and make sure you're praying through, and pull back, man. This is meant to be who you're to go after, all right? So here we go. Uh, be a student of your wife. He says here, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. He says, likewise, husbands. And so here's that likewise, that connecting word. And if you go backwards, this starts back in, Second P or in 1 Peter chapter 2, all right? And he starts out, he's talking about the household as a large measure. And he's talking first about those who are serving within the house, right? And then after it, he talks about the wives of the house. And now he's talking to the husbands. And so he's talked all the way along the way. What does it mean to entrust yourself to him who judges justly? What does it mean to lead that home well? And uh, now we get to husbands. It says likewise. And so here's the husband's role in the house. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with. Like that word literally means dwell with, to make a home with. It's got the word home built right into it. It means to make a home with your spouse where you care for her deeply, where you're listening to her and hearing from her. It says, live or dwell with her in an understanding way. 
in an understanding way. In other words, know her well. Make sure you understand her. Like when she has that certain facial expression, you know what it means. And you can kind of figure out what's going on and you can see by the body language and you can see by the face, you know if your wife's in a good spot or a bad spot. And it's one of those moments where you look and you see your wife and you see the smile and you're like, okay, we're in a cool spot and you come over and you're like, glad you're enjoying the evening. And then there might be that time you look across the room and you can see her face and you're like, uh-oh, better get over there. What's going on? And know your spouse well. Know the body language. Know the facial expressions. Know their values. Know their passions. Know what they long for and what they want to go after. Man, make sure you're caring for your spouse. It does say that there is a oneness in marriage. That's not because the one is you, guys. Right? It's not everybody become the guy. It's the husband and wife together becoming one. And there's a new one that comes from the two coming together. That's a huge deal. Everybody say, that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal, man. We aren't losing full identity in it, but we are changing who we are as we come together as one. There is a changing that takes place. And so make sure you understand you're becoming a student of them. You grasp uh, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and what they're valuing. Notice it says here, um, showing honor to the woman as to the weaker vessel, showing honor to the woman. So now you're becoming a student, you're learning her facial expressions, you're understanding when she's up and when she's down, you're showing respect and honor. Too many people in this verse like to skip to the last part of that phrase, the weaker vessel. Let's just talk there for a while, and what you end up doing is you lose the respect and the honor, right? They're trying to emphasize the weakening position, and so they end up under-emphasizing, respecting, and honoring there is some serious care going down here. There is some massive honoring, shaping, and protecting along the way. And the wives literally having a chance to be who God's made them to be. And you're caring for them in it, all right? It says, honor them uh, as the weaker vessel. So let's talk about that a little bit. So the word vessel is actually a word you see occurring a couple of other times in Scripture. One time is in Romans 9 where it talks about vessels of mercy, vessels of wrath. It's talking about men and women, okay? This word vessel is applied to both genders, and uh, the word literally means one of those fragile clay pots that you would put water in where you could transport it or keep it at the table. It was something they used as far as dining, okay? And so this was a fragile pot that was used to carry water, and uh, he's like, that's the vessel. And just so we're clear, that word is used of both husbands and wives. Second Corinthians chapter 4 talks about us all as jars of clay. And uh, like we're all weak and fragile. And here's the point. I'm just telling you this. As we live our lives out and something awesome happens, people look and they're like, I don't get it. The guy's not that great, man. And uh, that's the point is that there is a weak, fragile human being, but a stunning king of the universe working within. And so these jars of fragile clay, but with the Almighty's light showing from within, that's what we're all to be, all right? And so now we go back here to the vessel, and it says, weaker vessel. Please note it does not say weak vessel, as if to say the guy is strong, the girl is weak. Weaker, there's a comparative taking place. Both have a weakness to them, and then there's a little bit weaker element shown, okay? And so what does that mean? Well, for sure we know this, 
Those clay pots, physically, they had a fragility to them, a weakness. There was more of a fragile piece to the actual physical, okay? And so there probably is something to be said for the strength of the guy versus the strength of the girl. My wife works out six days a week and, and uh, all the time and doing a ton, and I work out some here and there when I, I don't know, I have no excuse. I work out very rarely, and, uh, but I can still bench more. What's up with that? And, uh, right? And so the reality is there's some strength that comes with the way God has made a guy with the muscle structure and the testosterone and all the rest. And that's just the way it is. There is a bit of a stronger in the physical. But there's also something being said here about um, the remainder, the broader. Let's just call it maybe the, phys- the emotional and the physical kind of combining together. And so there's an emotional weakness that's being referred to. What does it mean? I'm going to use myself as an example here, all right? So here we go. Um, Over the last several years, I've had a tumor. You guys have known that. We ended up getting that out. Praise God. We're in a good spot after two surgeries. But I'm telling you, the press on my pituitary crushed the hormones. I had a significant shift in hormones that went on for a number of years there. In fact, to the point at the end there where I was pushing 20 to 25 hot flashes a day. Okay, so hormone drop and massive hot flashes going on. I've got this high emotional swing going on. There were times where I had, I shared this out about a year and a half ago, and I had this crew of like five or six ladies afterwards that came up, and they're like, we so understand where you're at. (laughs) And uh, not necessarily the thing I was hoping for in life was to achieve to the hot flash moment, but I'm telling you, I fully understood what it was to go through that absolute moment of boiling hot and then flush out freezing cold and the sweats that come with it and the waking you up in the night and and yes, some of the emotions that swung with it. And I'm just telling you, when hormones are moving in certain ways, it does bring emotion in. And that does, in that moment, make us more expressive in it. And that's part of what's being alluded to here. I don't want to go into a big, long detail on it, but let's be real. Those things happen, those things come and go throughout the course of time as you live together. Guys, the emphasis here is not on the girl. The emphasis is on the guy and what he is to do. Please hear me. God is looking and he's saying, you are headship in this home. Don't you break her. That's the emphasis here. You watch out, man. You're breakable too. But you be careful. Do not break your wife. That's what's being said, okay? And man, if we capture this, that is powerful stuff. Like all of a sudden, we got some things to go after. Guys, as head of the home, and it's not, I get my way. It's, Lord, how can I love on her? And the two of us come together. How can I protect her and hear from her? How do I lead and yet at the same time care? Do not break her. Be careful with her. And all of God's men said, and that's what we're called to, all right? And a huge responsibility. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they, as heirs with you of the grace of life. They are heirs with you of the grace of life. He's like, get this. You are a son of the king, adopted. She is a daughter of the king. There has been an amazing privilege as the two of you have life with Christ. Not deserved and not earned. Grace-based. And as she is an heir through grace, so honor her. God is loving on her and pouring it on her. 
How are you doing it mirroring that into your home? That's what he's saying. Love on her well. Love on her in a way where she can thrive. Uh, she is a daughter of the king. It says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Did you know that? If you're not treating your wife well, your prayers are hindered. Some of you might be like, yeah, I knew that. I could pass that quiz. Okay, now, are you living that way? Do you understand that when you are hurting her, when you aren't protecting her, when you aren't honoring her and seeing what God's calling you to do as you put your arms around her, when you're not doing that, you're putting yourself in bad stead with God. Now, please hear me. It does not say your prayers are utterly shut down. It doesn't say that. It says hindered. And that's a big deal, okay? Prayers of worship, still heard, okay? Prayers of confession, still heard, all right? So it's not that prayer is utterly shut down, but I'll tell you this. If you're coming in and you're like, yeah, so this week I've been a, been a real jerk to my wife and that's just the way it is and I'm not gonna get off of that. Lord, here's my request of some things I have for you. God's like, and I have some things for you. Okay, that's what's going on. Like, I need you to get back and get this thing cared for. And we're not gonna move forward in these other realms. We're gonna move forward in this realm. Please get back and care for your wife. Get some things confessed. Start honoring and protecting her. Work together as a team. May God be glorified. All right? That's the call. And uh, yes, prayer's hindered. Uh, our spiritual walk is deeply affected by how we treat those God has entrusted to us. You hear me, guys? Our spiritual walk is deeply affected by how we treat those God has entrusted to us. That is a huge, huge deal. Are you taking care of her? Are you understanding her? See, all too often what I hear is, I don't get that at all. That's ridiculous how she... Fill in the blank. And uh, the problem is you're not trying to understand even in the least there. Maybe you need to take a deep breath and sit down and have that conversation that starts out with, honey, can you help me with something? Like, I just don't understand. Can you explain this to me? And uh, so, yes, guys, there will be some explanations that come out where you're like, that's not me. And that's good. Okay, that's a good thing. And God's designed her to be a, a complement to who you are and a completing of who you are. And so look to that end, all right? And long for God to teach you what you need to know to care for her well and put your prayer in the place of, Lord, may I protect this family and lead this family with all I've got, all right? Know your wife with all you have. So an illustration for that, I was talking to my wife this week and she actually brought this up and gave permission to use it. So as I go to use this illustration, just know it is with permission, all right? So here we go. This past week, uh, Thursday, we had a staff meeting, and as we rallied together, John is on staff as a women's director, and we had our adult ministries getting together, and, and uh, as we sat down, we were talking through a few things, and Pastor Mike had brought something up, and he was asking a question, and as he was working through the scenario of what was happening there, John leans forward and goes, wait a minute, what are you saying? Are you saying this? Are you meaning? Is, and, but then wouldn't we do this and this? It would be like this, right? Wouldn't it be like, and she was like, fair, very fast talking. I looked at her, I go, Baby, did you have a five-hour energy drink? <laughs> and she goes, 
Yeah. <laughs> so she sits back for a second, relaxes. I bring something up as we're talking through. She goes, well, wait a minute. I have a question about that. I'm like, honey, when did you take that five-hour energy drink? She's like, well, four hours ago. I'm like, okay. So we got an hour to an hour and a half left of. The reality is, look, I love my wife like crazy. We laugh together a ton. Jana has a super strong thinking ability. When she's speaking at 5 million words per minute, she took an energy drink. All right? It just goes that way. And so just do you know your spouse? Do you understand how they're thinking and what they're thinking and what's going on? Are you working with them to be able to grasp when they're down and when they're up? Are you able to understand from a smile that was not a good smile? That was a smile where she's trying to tough through this. And I better get over there and be on her side. And uh, it's a big deal, man. And uh, I love how God brings together husband and wife to care for each other and to laugh with each other along the way. So simple question. Guys, how are you doing with caring for your spouse? How are you doing with understanding them and honoring them in your home? Not to the point where you lose leadership, right? It's not give everything up and now there's no you, but you're leading carefully and protectively and lovingly into that house. How are you doing? Right? That's the first question. Second, let's turn over now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 as we go to the second point. So go ahead and turn with me. We're going to be there for the rest of the time. All right? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's good to hear the pages turning. I'll take my time here. Go ahead and get over. 2 Thessalonians 3. Starts in verse 6. And uh, so this is the point. Work hard without any laziness or entitlement. Work hard without any laziness or entitlement. All right? So I'll start in verse 6 here. It says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from the brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. He's like, Now we command you. Everybody hear that? Everybody just say, God's command. Okay, when we're reading scripture, we're going to have to be very careful, and this is a big deal moment, all right? God's command coming through Paul. He says, we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is to honor Jesus Christ that this is going to be done. Next verb. Keep away. Oh. You good with that? You understand what that's saying? Keep away. From who? It says, keep away from the brother. So everybody say, he's saved. All right, we got to get this down. This is not about the unsaved. We're going to talk about that at the end here of today. But this is about the saved. So the saved person who does not get what he's supposed to be going after, specifically in this case, he's not got a job, man. Idleness is at hand. And it says, keep away from the brother who is walking in idleness, not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. He's like, hard work is where we're at. That's who our Savior is, and that's who God Almighty is, and that's how we've lived with you as apostles, and so follow through, man. And he's like, with the tradition that I brought to you, and now he explains the tradition. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. The tradition is follow the apostles. Because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but 
with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might be a that we might not be a burden to any of you. You hearing it? He's like, listen, when we came to town, yes, we were studying the word, and yes, we were praying, and yes, we were reaching out, and yes, we were preaching, and but we were also working. And we were getting products sold. We were getting some money in. We were using that money to cover the needs of ourselves and those around us. We paid for the food and the care. Now notice what he says right after it. He says, it was not because we did not have the right. He's like, dude, I was an apostle. I could have said, hey, look, as I study the word, can you do me a favor and cover the daily food needs, all right? Could have done that. I had that right. It's not that that was even wrong in that case because he was working hard in bringing the word, but because he knew something that was going on in Thessalonica, he didn't do it. And it says here, he took the next step out. It was not because we didn't have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate for even when we were with you, we gave you a different command. And then he goes on. Listen, this is all Paul's saying. We worked hard among you. We were fully aware of the tendencies going on in the church at Thessalonica and this tendency to just lay back and not work hard. And I'm just telling you, we showed you what it looks like to bring it, man. Work hard, earn what you need for food, shelter, and clothing, and pay for it that way. Don't look for somebody else to give the handout. Get it done yourself, all right? And he's saying basically, I'm telling you, that's God-honoring. And uh, that's a big deal, man. Work hard. And uh, so I'm just going to say this now. If you're dating someone or you're engaged to someone who is not working hard, it's time to have a very tough talk, okay? And uh, all of the fathers in the house said, I'm just telling you, man, as a father... If, uh, if any of my daughters ever brings home a guy that's like, yeah, I think it's kind of cool not to work, that will be the last meal we're sharing together. <laughs> All right? Like, it's just going to be down, man. This is scripture. Working hard is where it's at. And uh, look at the command he gives next. How serious is Paul? Check out this command. He's like, uh, this is the command that we would give you. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Do you hear that? Do you hear how serious this command is? Like, I'm just telling you, if he's not willing to work, then don't let him eat. Wow. All right. So for all you mercy hearts in here, join with me for a moment, right? Like, it just, it hurts like crazy to see somebody going through a tough time, and if they don't have food, shouldn't we be coming alongside and helping them? Answer. Absolutely, we should be considering coming alongside, hear how I just phrased that, considering coming alongside of them if they don't have food to put on the table. There's another thing to be considered along with it, though. Is that because they were just unwilling to work? Please notice here, it says not willing to work. That's very different than unable to work. Everybody hear that? This is not sick couldn't work, so forget him. It's not that. Everybody say not that. It's not sick. It's not injured. This is unwilling. If we've got a guy who's capable of working and he won't bring it to bear, let him not eat. That's pretty direct, man. So the word to the mercy heart 
hear me, this is what we're called to execute. Are you willing to walk with the church as we execute this? Or is this where you try to self-declare that you have more mercy even than God because these are his words saying, let him not eat. Be very careful. It is time for us not to come alongside and entitle the one who won't put it on the table. Work. All right? It's a very real statement. And a huge deal in this uh, society now, uh, the entitlement position is a big one. And uh, I've hurt a lot. Everybody should give me now. And uh, that is not biblical. Be very careful with that. All right? Now, he goes on from here. He says, let me give you a few other challenges. For uh, we hear some among you saying uh, that you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. So this is a play on words here, all right? Uh, this is a play on words where he's like, you had a chance to be busy, but oh no, you're a busy body, right? What does that mean? Like you could have been working, but instead you're chit-chatting and talking. You're hanging around. You want to make sure that people understand what you think and what you feel, but you aren't getting your hands to the task, all right? It's a very big problem and a huge deal. We've got to be willing to work hard. And uh, man, are you feeling the heavy of these words? And uh, imagine it now hitting a church that actually had issues all over the place where when this letter got read, a third of the church slunk down in their seats, all right? It's a very real moment of we work hard. And uh, please note what it says, for the one who's not working hard and is a believer, keep away. Can't be more clear on that, all right? And a huge deal. He now says, such a person we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do your work quietly to earn their own living. Do your work quietly, all right? Here's the second time that word quiet has come up. The last time was last week because we were working with women and what that looked like. And it says that women needed to be quiet in that perspective. Now it's got men being quiet. Please hear me. Yes, both genders are called to quietness in that regard. It's a boisterous, a bucking against, a complaining about. Hang on, pull that in, no to that, okay? May we go after worshiping our God with all we've got. When you're going to work, it's, Lord, how can I worship you today as I work heartily unto you? Not, how can I find out another way that I think my boss is a moron and share that with nine other people? Not that, okay? Yes, work quietly, and in that case, it also says, and earn their own living. And uh, please make sure that you understand the value that God places on responsibility in the home in headship. Make sure we get that on. That's what he's saying, all right? Huge deal. All right. So what's it look like to be a hard worker? Five things a hard worker never says, okay? Five things that a hard worker never says. Number one, do I have to? Do I have to do that? I mean, really, can't we figure out another way? What if we didn't do that? What if we did this instead and it was a little less? Could we do that? Do I have to? And you hear it? It's the grumbling. It's the, let's try to get my load to the ultimate minimum that I possibly can, and then I'll deliver that usually, right? Hard work problem. So number one, do I have to? Number two, uh, the five things you never hear a hard worker say, uh, dude, that is not my job. Not my job, right? And uh, all about teamwork, nope. I've gotten my few things done, now I'm shutting down. 
And uh, well, if, hang on, if you look back in this passage, there's a little bit of a challenge here to be careful. Don't just run alongside and become partying up with somebody if they're not willing to work. And I agree with that. It's probably better to say it this way. Not, uh, not my job. Instead, you say, you know what? Have they done a piece of the job that they need to do? Has they, have they done what they need to do to be learning and growing? Let's make they're sure they're doing something. Don't just run in and do everybody's job. But in the midst of it, how are we doing in partnering together? And maybe sometimes it does need to be said, they need to carry a little of this load. It'll help them out in their growth. That's good, man. That's still teamwork. You're still caring for them. But the not my job thing, dude, that's all about me. I don't want to have to carry load. I don't care what's going on with him. Not my job, right? And so number one, uh, do I have to? Number two, it's not my job. Number three, um, what time is it? Are we done yet? And uh, we've only been working for 15 minutes. Are you kidding me? Right? And uh, the more you check your watch throughout a day and the more you're making it all about, I can't wait until I get out of here, uh, the less you're working heartily as to the Lord. That's losing its worship moment and it's becoming all about get to the relaxation moment. All right? And uh, number four, uh, I do not get paid enough for this. I don't get paid enough for this. And uh, think about what's actually being said in that. Right? The ultimate reason for work is me and money. That's what's being said there. When in fact, Scripture is pretty clear, the ultimate reason for work is glorifying God, worshiping Him. The money comes along. There's a sense of caring for the needs that take place in your home. And it's not wrong to pay for those. But your primary reason for work is worship. Did you know that? Whatever you're doing... Worship. God's designed you, he's built you, and he's given you gifts. Are you worshiping well? The money coming along is a great thing, but if you're motivated only by the money, trust me, that selfishness will find its way out. Okay? Be very careful with it. So, do I have to? It's not my job. What time is it? I do not get paid enough. And uh, then the last one, uh, did you hear about so-and-so? Right? Did you hear what Bill did yesterday? And all of a sudden, we're all into the gossip thing. Like our water cooler moment is our most fun time of the day. Can't wait to get over there and talk with the guys or the girls and share what's going on and be careful, all right? Hard workers are all about, Lord, what have you called me to do? What do you want done? Let's get that done. It's not about just making money to try to be able to do something or get something or buy something or be something. Lord, may you be glorified as we put our time in. Hard work. So a couple few questions for you here. Number one, so uh, do you have a job? Do you have a job? How are you doing with that? And uh, maybe, maybe you need to get a job. And uh, maybe you're like in that retirement phase and you're like, no, really, I've had a job for like 45 years and I'm doing well right now to do some things that I'm doing. I'm great with that. Keep yourself busy. Be wise to it, right? Don't let the idle hands blow up. But man, have a blast with slowing down the commitment, okay? All for it. And, uh, but hear me, do you have a job? Something you're about to accomplish something for the glory of the Lord, whatever that might be. Doesn't mean it always has to be gospel-centric. God's designed, you might be doing whatever you do for him. I'm a waitress at a restaurant. Then do some really good waiting, right? Make sure that God's glorified in it. Do you have a job? Uh, second question, how are you doing at working hard at that job? 
How are you doing? Make much of your king, okay? Celebrate him as you work. Enjoy the job as you go. And I will say this, there are times where it's appropriate to change a job, and uh, it might be wise that you're shifting job positions or even companies, and uh, just be prayerful about that, be wise to it, and uh, please make sure that overall you're someone who commits and sticks there. If you're bouncing back and forth all over the place, job after job, company after company, maybe time to slow that thing down and figure out why there's always a dissatisfaction, okay? But work hard, commit well, okay? Enough said on that. So we're caring for our wives. We're working hard. This is what a husband of God looks like. Um, Number three, faithfully invest in doing good and honoring your holy God. Faithfully invest in doing good and honoring your holy God. All right? It says here, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. Don't get tired. Don't run out of energy. Don't veer off of doing good. Stay on it. Why would we grow weary? Well, because we actually start focusing on the wrong things along the way. I just wrote two of them down here. Check your selfishness. The more we start trying to look for things to benefit us personally, the more we start veering off in the long run. All right? Check your selfishness and uh, check your repentance. Oftentimes, we can have sin eating us alive. And instead of getting that clear before God, we try to go back into work and try to carry a happy demeanor or whatever it is. And really what's happening is we've got this horrible sin unchecked in our life. Check your selfishness. Check your repentance. You'll be amazed how much that helps keep you on the path of going after good without growing weary. Now, let me just say this. It says, do not grow weary in doing good. Okay, why? Because God is good. Because you are mirroring who your king is. Because you are saying, do you know who my God is? He is awesome. He is stunning. He is righteous and holy. I will worship him with all I've got. Let me reveal to you who my God is. And you're now doing what he would be doing. You're showing them as they watch you who your king is. That's your calling. Man, to go after the things that Jesus Christ is about. It's a huge deal as we go to worship him. And here's a phrase I wrote down. Uh, as we go after worshiping our king, uh, this phrase I saw this week, you imitate who you respect. Let that settle. You imitate who you respect. And uh, so if you find yourself imitating someone or something that is actually against who Christ is, you might want to check what it is you respect in that person, all right? We imitate who we respect. If we stop and we take time to pour over who our God is, and Lord, show me your awesomeness. Like, stun me with who you are. And then you run after him in the midst of that. I'm telling you, you're going to start imitating him as you're blown away by him, all right? Best ways to go about imitating him. It's not some big muscle-it moment. Everybody hearing me? It's not some big muscle-it moment. Like, here's how it works out. On most uh, Father's Day messages, there's this big hammer down on guys. And then we go home with our heads dragging. We just got our tail kicked. And we're like, all right, fine. I got a million things to work on, right? And so you go home feeling like a loser. And you're like, this week, I'm going to do it differently, right? 
then you turn on the golf, and you're trying to relax a little bit in the afternoon, and you slowly are drifting away from the commitment in no time. And uh, I'm just telling you, the muscle it game just doesn't get it done. Man, you worshiping your Savior, time before your God, where the Holy Spirit is pouring onto you, he's sharing with you who he is, and he's literally changing you. Man, that's how you go after these things, all right? So as you dive in this week, dive in by saying, Lord, may I get to know you. And may that then follow through as I take care of my wife, as I'm working hard, as I'm going after the good, may you be glorified. And all of God's people said, man, let's be careful. We don't get into the muscle it game in no time. We read these things that have a bunch of commands and we make it all about us trying. And it is so about us letting God do his thing in us. All right? Let's be careful with that. So uh, simple question, who are you imitating? Who are you imitating? Make sure it's Jesus Christ, all right? Follow after him with all you've got. All right, and last now, value holiness and have nothing to do with believers who will not repent of sin. Value holiness and have nothing to do with believers who will not repent of sin. Get ready. This is a tough tough couple verses. Everybody take a deep breath. Here we go. It says, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Now that you have got you doing good, let's talk about the other guys. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, that means working hard, that means, you know, being wise to the goodness they're invested into, the whole of what the letter is talking about, right? If anyone does not do what it says in this letter, two things. Take note of that person Make sure you recognize it, have some discernment on, and then next, have nothing to do with that person. Have nothing to do with them. Now, let's just remember again, this is a believer. Everybody say saved. This is a person who's saved, will not repent of their sin, will not repent. They won't obey, okay? This isn't the guy who's like, he's sinning, he's got an attitude problem or an anger problem. You come to him and you challenge him like, bro, what's up with the, and what do you think of? And the guy's like, you're right, I'm so sorry. Forgive me for what I've done. And they go back to their spouse or whoever. Please forgive me. Repentance is where it stops, man. Done. Praise be to God, there has been reconciliation there and we're on with good relationship. This is about the guy who won't repent. Saved and won't say, all right, I'm done. Please forgive me. Okay, that's what this is about. If the guy won't repent and he is saved, it says, take note, have nothing to do with. And it says, purpose statement, that he might be, take a look at the passage, that he might be ashamed. It's gonna carry some weight, man. This is God's plan. We are a church of oneness. Unity. And if you're going to go after the things that aren't of God, then here's some things that you need to know. It's a huge statement and a big statement. And we're going to talk in just a sec here about a method. How do I go about this? All right. Let's make sure we actually know what we're executing on instead of just running out. And uh, so we'll talk about it in just a sec. But he says here do not regard him as an enemy, warn him as a brother. Do not regard him as an enemy. Warn him as a brother. You love him like crazy. You don't want to see him destroyed, right? An enemy is for their destruction. It's not about destruction. It's about restoration. It's not about destruction. 
It's about restoration. You're longing to see them restored, getting it right with their God. That's what it looks like, man, okay? True, passionate love for another loves them enough to get them right with their God. So how do we do that? How do we walk through this keep away thing? How do we do the have nothing to do with? And uh, let me just throw a, a couple verses out there to you. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. It says, if a brother or sister sins against you, go to them. Please note, it does not say, if a brother or sister sins, ignore it. Hope they change their viewpoint. Uh, forget about going and talking to them. Just pretend like everything's normal. It doesn't say that. If a brother or sister sins, go to them. Challenge them. If they repent, awesome. You've won a brother. Okay? If they don't, it says, then go with two or three witnesses. So you're now bringing some others in who have seen this actual sin. Please hear me. This is not you trying to call out what you think is going on in their heart. This is actual activities that are wrong. One of the things shown here, won't get a job, right? Won't get invested into what's good. They're doing something evil. There's an action that's sin, okay? And you're calling the action out. I'm just saying that to be very careful because the heart is deceitful above all things. You can think your own heart's cool and you're calling out their heart and you're messed up on the whole thing. So don't be calling out heart, call out action, okay? Very real there. You're going with one. If that doesn't work and they won't repent, you go with witnesses, says, if that doesn't work, it then basically take it to the church. And we do that here by, it comes to eldership. And we as elders then sit down with them and challenge them on it and say, look, there's been several witnesses, the challenge to get the sin clean. It's time to clean this thing up, man. And if they won't listen, then, then there's a fourth step where it comes to the church, it says. And by that, we mean those who are members here, those that there's a sphere of influence with that person or relationship with them, we would bring that to them. And, um, You good with that? That's the process that God's got in place. And that's what he's calling us to. And uh, you challenge, you challenge with witnesses, you come before elders and then the church, and it's all to get them to move. If they don't move, it says, have nothing to do with them. And so I'm just gonna tell you, we walk through this process, we've been through this process a number of times, and usually someone will get challenged either by one or by a couple of people, and they'll be like, all right, all right, you're right, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And we have a lot of that that goes on. I'm just telling you, your marriage should have that all the time, okay? Like our marriage is made up of, baby, please forgive me, I'm sorry. Or her coming and going, what was that? That hurt, and we have to talk it through, and then I go, all right, I see the, I'm sorry, you're right. Please forgive me on that. I won't be there. I won't be there. Please forgive me, okay? That needs to be in your marriages, and that's the first part of Matthew 18 is you guys just talking to each other and keeping it clean, but when somebody won't get it right and they let it continue to train wreck out, then we come with witnesses of two or three, then it goes to the church, I'm just telling you, we've had a number of people where we've gotten to that third level where elders are having to talk with them. We've had to have that rough talk. And uh, in the midst of that, we've had a couple like turn and they're come back to the church and they're good, man. And they're thriving in this place right now. Awesome, praise God. You're like, I don't know who that is. That's the way it's supposed to be, man. It doesn't come out if there's repentance, only when we get to the top level, all right? And that, praise God for that. There's a few that have said, we don't want to hear what you have to say. 
and they exit the church. And uh, we have actually never gotten to a point where we've been bringing somebody before this church. They've ended up leaving before we get there at the third level. And I'm sad about that, but I want you to hear me on this. Leaving unrepentant is this brother that you need to keep away from and be careful of. So heads up. And you'll know things, and you know what's going on, and I'm just telling you, let's just be real. This is God's call and God's command from Scripture, all right? Just walk what he's calling us to walk, and let's watch him be glorified, okay? If you think you're the answer, you've just probably tipped a little bit of the sin going on in your life. I'm going to do it, even though God said do it a different way. And be careful with that, okay? Please be careful. All right. Now, I'm just going to tell you, uh, that's a lot to swallow, especially in our American society that doesn't believe in this. And uh, just so we're clear, they're wrong. This is God's position. And uh, so let me be very clear about one thing, all right? We are not talking about the unbeliever. Fair? Okay, and we talked about this after the first service. Being very clear here, the unbeliever is very different. They're in a spot where they don't get who Christ is. They don't understand at all. They don't know what's going on. Man, that is not who we're talking about right now. But the guy who has tasted of Jesus Christ and knows of his holiness and he's on fire for who he is, sort of, but then his sin is going to run rampant in him, that's the guy we're supposed to be addressing. Everybody understand? We're not talking about the unbeliever. We're talking about the believer who won't repent. Clear enough? Okay? And so that still leaves us with opportunity to be sharing with friends who are unbelievers and getting real with them. Dude, if you know an unbeliever who's sinning, duh, they don't know who Jesus Christ is, man. Of course. And so your, in, your job there is to introduce them to Christ, not to holiness, all right? Introduce them to Christ. But this, they know who Christ is and they won't run with holiness. They won't run with who he is. Dude, that's a problem. That's a problem, all right? And we do need to take God very real here. We as a church are gonna take it very real. We as an elder board are taking it very real. We as a pastor staff are taking it real. Come join us, okay? I'll just say it this way. Some of you may be wrestling through this a little bit, and we're great with that. And you may have some talk you wanna have on that, and, and we're great with that. But email in or let's call, let's get together and sit down and we'll chat it out, okay? Because we do need to get this thing where God is honored and glorified. He couldn't be more clear here. Please don't run off and mis-execute. Like, they bother me, so I'm going to have nothing to do with them. That's not what it says, right? Or, or they're an unbeliever, so I'm not going to have anything to do with them. That's not what it says. This is the believer who has an overt action of sin that they won't get off of. You're challenging them once, challenging them twice, bringing it to elders. If it doesn't change, then keep away. Is that clear? That was a really weak answer. Is that clear? Yes. All right. Good deal. So let's do this. That's a heavy on Father's Day, huh? And so, look, man, the passage is this. Let's work hard. Let's be about doing good. Let's love each other and let's love our Savior. Simple question. Are you in? So are you willing to worship him with all you've got? The one who is goodness. The one who has a plan for our reconciliation. Are you willing to worship him and stick with him 
and do what he calls us to do. May we go after it with all we have. Husbands, you are the head of your home. You have a job to do, to know your wife and love her well, to work hard with all you've got, to go after goodness with all you have, and be careful, yes, even called, to make sure you lead your family in a way where the one who won't get it right with his God, then you give him a little distance saying, bro, I'm praying for you and I love you like crazy and I can't wait for you to come to see this. Come to your God. And all of God's people said, let's pray.